Welcome into this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm Lav, soon to be joined by Rex, who is in Ireland. And even though it's 2 p.m. local time, I hope he's uh, already at least on his first Guinness. We've got plenty to get to in this week's episode. The Strategic Alliance now has gotten even more strategically aligned. The second live event kicks off this week in Portland with a few of the guys offering some very curious rationales for bolting. Xander Shoffley wins in a nail-biter over Sahith Thagala at the Travelers Championship. And, of course, we're going to get into a few of our off-course activities over the past week and also what we have coming up, including Rex's three-week stay. Three weeks, folks. Three-week stay with his wife overseas what an idiot uh, but first callaway officially launched the new jaws raw wedges last week and they are already a winner on the pga tour these wedges are designed to offer pure spin in its rawest form and xander shoffley had jaws raw in the bag for his thrilling victory at the travelers championship in fact 18 of these wedges were in play last week for players like xander kevin kisner mark leishman and many more these wedges feature the most aggressive grooves in golf now with a raw face that promotes maximum spin. For more on Jaws Raw, go to CallawayGolf.com. Rex, thank God you didn't handle that. Uh, tease Jaws Raw. Can't believe I nailed that one. Oh, I did it, especially you after a couple of Guinnesses. There's no way you pulled that one off, Jaws, especially with rivalry. rivalry. Jaws Raw rivalry. Rory. Let's throw them all together in, in one thing. Let me ask something. I'm going to get straight to this because I've got a time crunch going on over here and you just want to prattle on. Were you trying to kill your father last week? Because it seems to me you were trying to eat and drink him to death in New Orleans. Every time I check Snapchat, you were eating or drinking something at a different restaurant. I can just imagine your dad rolling onto the plane to go home, burping and making all kinds of other noises. I think I only sent you like a quarter of the places that we actually went Jesus. Uh, in, in New Orleans. If you guys missed it, I think I alluded to it on last week's podcast. I took my dad. It was supposed to be for his 65th birthday. Uh, he turned 66 now thanks to COVID. Uh, we did not have it last summer. We basically spent 48 hours eating and drinking our way through New Orleans. Very sad as it was. He had never been there. And so, uh, as you guys know, I take my New Orleans itineraries very seriously and you're right, literally from when we touched down to when we left uh, at about four o'clock on Saturday, all we did was eat and drink everything under the sun, Rex, barbecue shrimp, oysters. Um, uh, we went to Commander's Palace to have quail. We had martinis. We had Sazerac. We had shrimp etouffee. We had crab yvonne. I mean, it was, it was absolutely ridiculous. Most importantly, he had a great time, even though the heat index was about 112. Uh, it's probably not the best time of year to go to the quarter. Horrible. I'm sure it was, Horrible time to go. And, and look, I was married in the French Quarter. I married a girl from New Orleans. I, I have an affinity for the place. I've made that the carousel year. bar. You get married however, carousel. however, in the middle of the summertime, that it comes with a distinct smell that you just don't get anywhere else. The mixture of urine and puke and alcohol and God knows what else all over the ground, just cooking all day long. It's, it's vile. And he and he is a he's a dedicated runner. I'd actually call him a psychotic runner. He's run something like at least three miles uh, for four thousand consecutive days, something like that. Uh, I believe he has a torn hamstring, and he yet Rex. He still he still ran every morning down Bourbon Street at about six thirty in the morning. I told him that was the safest time to go there. It's got to be uh, a scene. If if not if not the smelliest, he said he was running past bodies who were just strewn about uh people of all ages uh one one folk he said uh had a had like an eye shade you know like you would wear on an on an airplane to keep from the sun. he's like why would a homeless person need an eye shade you really need to rest that badly uh on the sidewalk so he found that to be uh a, a very amusing we we had a we had a great time uh you're also in an exotic locale if not uh, uh sure. markedly markedly clean uh then uh new orleans uh, what's the rundown how long you've, how long you've been there have you killed your wife yet uh she's not here yet she doesn't get here till thursday so i got a, a bit of a brief uh landed yesterday and you and i have done this enough times that this is there's a formula to this you get on the plane i was flying landed yesterday when all the news broke uh yes so the formula normally is you get on the plane you sleep for four or five hours you get off and then we, you and i go play golf and that keeps us awake keeps us happy we we couldn't you know and then you pass out the first night you sleep like a baby Yesterday was completely sideways because from the second I got off the plane, it was get to the golf course, talk to players. I hadn't shaved in a week. 
I, I mean, it, I was just a mess. I was like, Same. oh, this is not going to turn out. It was, a, uh, it, was a, it was an eventful day thanks to the Grand Alliance, which just became more and more grand. And uh, I got a lot of different perspectives. Before we get to that, though, I, I do want to say this, because I said this on Jason Sobel's show yesterday, and I felt like I scooped our own podcast because I, I wanted to tell the story. Last week, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago at the U.S. Open, I was the live firm reporter early, and they wanted me to go down to talk to Ricky Fowler, who was the first alternate. And so I walked down and I got the basics from Ricky, you know, just what am, what am I going to go on TV and say, you know, are you wrestling like? someone? What's going on over there? Uh, I, I'm in the media center and, and it's a little, it's a little loud and wild over here. It's Ireland. Um, so after that, I, I blow into some, some small talk about, Oh, you're going over to the Irish. You're going to play in the JP McManix thing. I said, I'm going to be over there for three weeks as well. And, and his reaction was what any guy golfer's reaction would be. You're going to play the coolest courses. Like, ah, oh, you're so lucky. And I fired back, not realizing ah, anything, ah, around me, sir. anything around me that, no, I don't get to play anywhere because my wife is with me and I don't have room for golf clubs. And so I'm going to be schlepping her around the UK and Ireland for three weeks. And I'm going to be close to some of the greatest golf courses in the world. I'm literally going to stay in a bed and breakfast a mile from Royal Dornick, which is my favorite oh, course no. in the world. And oh, don't have my clubs with me. Halfway through this diatribe, I look up, and this has happened to both of us. So there's a Netflix special that's going to air, I think, next year. And they'll just kind of sneak up on you. And so I had two cameras and a boom mic over my head as I'm, I'm digging into this diatribe and realized that, oh, no. So I just kind of slunk away real quick. And Ricky was laughing because I, I realized that my wife doesn't would never watch this. But if she did, oh, it's not going to play out well. <laughs> you, were, you were dead meat. Yeah, Netflix does not believe... <laughs> Uh, in private conversations. They believe it's, if it's happening in a public setting, uh, it oh. is going to be public for all. I've had, Rex, five Netflix uh, disclosure agreements sitting in my inbox yet to be signed. If, they do, if, if I do not sign those agreements, send them back to Netflix, they cannot uh, legally uh, show me in this series. Not if not, I, can, I can sue the pants off of them, uh, which would be great. Uh, I'd love to sue the pants off Netflix uh, because, I know I do not do something for others uh, for free. Those folks have been great. The producers have been very great. I will say they are nosy and they do not understand uh, what private conversations uh, are. I'm also, I'm, I'm very much debating whether to bring my clubs. Uh, unlike you, I'm just going over for about nine or 10 days. The thought being that I would cover the weekend at the Scottish Open where you're going to have 14 of the top 15 players in the world. Of course, leading into the Open at St. Andrews. Uh, I had a little bit of a procedure done uh on monday you're you right you okay yes uh i had a i had a head of a vasectomy yeah. oh. a vasectomy uh, i'm currently pantsless uh, as Aren't we you always doing podcast. the podcast uh normally i at least wear gym shorts i'm currently pantsless uh and i'm icing i'm icing i'm icing down there uh, i'm down to my last pair of boxer briefs we we're, we're packing for uh, reynolds lake Coney going there for the for july 4th i won't be able to do any of my fun stuff can't go down the slides can't jump off the rock can't go on the boat uh, we're supposed to have a kickball game with uh, big ben roethlisberger on saturday not be able to participate in any of these things but oh, wow, Rex, i have was, two kids a subtle name drop right there i have i have two kids and i definitely do not want to have three kids like you i'm sure you love all your kids equally uh yeah. but i do not want to have to play zone defense uh no that was very subtle on the big ben roethlisberger thank you little kickball match That's going on to me yep 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 yep, yep. yep. Too bad. I mean, i'm either i'm either, I'm either going to be automatic pitcher or designated drinker i haven't quite decided yet and I, I don't understand, like, if you had this plan, like, why would you? I mean, this was elective surgery. You didn't There's have no to have other time. There's no other time. I mean, you have two weeks before you go anywhere. You could have done it next week after the Fourth of July. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to fly in case there's some sort of complication. I definitely didn't want to be overseas and have, let's say, a suture rip out when and trying to trust uh, the Scottish healthcare system. I'm not sure that was a, a route I particularly wanted to go. Oh, to. Wow. I'm sure. Th I'm sure there are fine medical professionals <laughs> in Scotland. Wow. I'm not saying that. I just don't want to potentially risk it. So big news on Monday, as I mentioned, got off the plane. It's a big news that the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. It's Tuesday. Today is, today is Wednesday. I know you're six hours ahead. I know you're six hour ahead. It's not actually the future, unlike your wife. We're not, we're not actually living in the future. Uh, and there's a couple takeaways, and then I'll give the floor to you because I know you got some takes on it. Uh, two of the things that I found fascinating. One, it's the idea, and, and I had a chance, Keith Pelly the chief executive of the DP world tour had a player meeting before he came in and gave his press conference. And I kind of got some feedback from players who were in that meeting. And it was interesting. The same questions that the players had are the same questions we have that even though this gives the DP world tour 
some solid legs to stand on during a time when they really need some solid legs to stand on. And there's two reasons why this is good for golf at this point. It's good for golf because it creates a united front for between the PGA tour and the DP world tour against what Keith called turf war, which is a turf war against live golf. So you're standing strong against those two things. I would argue that on the other side, though, the pushback that the players have is now the way the system is set up that the top 10 players off the season-ending DP World Tour rankings earn status under the PGA Tour. And I think the fallout is going to be, and it certainly was and it will continue to be, that the European Tour is little more than just a feeder circuit now. And Keith pushed back on that, and some players pushed back, Jay Monahan pushed back on that idea, but I don't know how you get around that. That's problematic. He vehemently pushed back on, the, on that idea that leads me to believe that, of course, that it's going to be a feeder system for the PJ Tour. He was so adamant that it's not a feeder system, that it is clearly. It, it's, it's just common sense that this Protest is now too much. A, a, a feeder system. It, exactly. If you guys missed the news, basically here's the bullet points, Rex. With this new, I would call it a, a strength and strategic alliance, it's going to run until 2035 PJ Tour is upping its ownership stake in European Tour Productions from 15% to 40%. That's going to create an influx of cash to help uh, keep some of these uh, DP World Tour tournaments afloat with increased prize money. They have guaranteed that purses on the DP World Tour will increase annually over the next five years, but they're also creating more playing opportunities, they say, for members of both circuits the big takeaway rex is that the top 10 finishers on the race to dubai standings i think they call it now the dp world tour standings will now officially be pga tour members now if you look right now at the dp world tour standings it's led by will zalatoris who to be fair has played at least one dp world tour event this year however of course he plays uh, primarily uh, on the pga tour and has accrued most of those points uh, by playing so well in the major championships. In fact, six of those top 10 players on the DP World Tour standings uh, are PGA Tour members. Now, if you go down the list of who would potentially be uh, benefiting from this, it, it's, it's guys and names, quite frankly, that are going to struggle to keep their card. That's not a knock on them. That's just the state Well, you don't know how that. this is going to be. Yeah, I mean, you don't. Given their world ranking, it's a it's a fair guess that against better competition, they're going to struggle to keep their card. Now they're going to have what twenty six to twenty eight starts. Keith Pelly said to to uh, that's that's ample opportunity to keep their card. However, these aren't the top notch players, Rex. Let's 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 be honest here. All right, so now apparently the uh, European circuit has two issues. They don't have very good players, and it looks like they're going to become a feeder system, according. To Ryan Lavner for the for the latter. I, I think what that is not. I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, look, I think Thomas Peters is a great player. Ryan Fox has certainly flashed. You're twin. also Come looking on. at guys like Adrian Moronk, who is just a couple years out of school. Jordan Smith, Richard Bland, who soon, soon to be turning 50 years old. How Tong Lee, Oliver Becker. Those are the guys who, if the season ended right now, would receive PGA Tour membership. You cannot tell me that those guys would struggle potentially uh, to secure their status for not just the following season, but in the future. I mean, I just don't know that. I, I see what you're saying, and, and I guess I, we, we would have to wait to, to see. Of course. That's going to pass. But, their but body, argue... the body of work does not suggest that these are about to be PJ Tour stalwarts. Well, and it's worth arguing the other point here, because I do want to get to the, the player reaction that I got. The, the other side of the, the point is not only does this create a united front against Lev Goff, but it also, you need to look no further than this week's event, the Irish Open, Horizon Irish Open. Horizon is a U.S.-based company. It was just a few years ago when this event was struggling to find a sponsor. It was struggling to stay on the European tour schedule. They simply weren't going to be around. Now, Rory McIlroy had a lot to do with pulling it sort of out of that time slot, let's say, and turning it into more of a marquee event. But by accounts of many sources, the PGA Tour stepped in and really landed the deal to get Horizon along. I think that's a seven-year deal as a long-term sponsor. Same thing next week. It's going to be same Genesis. with Genesis, same thing with Velocity Open. Global. All of those things making those, all of those things, which essentially are you're taking the power of two organizations and you're creating a greater organization as a whole. That I, I can see that side of it. And I certainly understand where they're coming from, from a business model. I think 
the concern, and I found this fascinating, is I talked to an American player yesterday afternoon and a European player, and they both had the same concern for different reasons, however. Their concern was the same that, oh, it's going to become a feeder system. The European player saw that as sort of a heritage loss thing. Because to Europeans, this is a proud tour. What they've accomplished here, what they've done, what they've created over the years, what, what they do with the Ryder Cup, all of these things, and now you're essentially going to turn it into AAA. That, that's the prevailing thought. Whether or not if Keith or Jay want to admit it, that's basically, the it's basically a European Corn Ferry tour. I mean, if you're if you're taking the ten best the ten best players on the DP World Tour, the guys who are if you exclude the PGA Tour members, these are the top ten not already exempt. Your PGA Tour membership, you're taking those top 10 guys and then putting them on the PGA Tour. What are you left with then on the DP World Tour, a tour that is, that is, that is missing the 10 best players from the following season? That's a huge problem. Oh, you're going to eat your young. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's the problem going forward. Now, from the American player's perspective, it's not a great thing that it's going to become a fear system because now you're sort of undercutting what the PGA Tour has always rewarded, which is it went from Q School to the Corn Ferry Tour, which, by the way, I have to correct your tweet, which was incorrect. You actually said in a tweet yesterday that the Corn Ferry Tour went from 25 cards to 30. It actually went from 50 to 30. It went the other way. I don't think you did the math correctly on that because it no, used to award 25 no, regular season. It is not, it is not incorrect. It's, it's, so basically what has been eliminated is the Corn Ferry Tour Finals and the 25 cards and they gave that would be allocated for that. So for so one season, they taking, gave away 50 cards. Right. And, and so now they're, they're taking away, away 30. Yes, they're taking away the Corn Ferry Tour Final cards and making, instead of 25, they're giving 30 Corn Ferry Tour graduate cards and there will be no from the regular cards there will, be, there will not be a standalone series anymore with with 25 more so it's it's all part of this like evolving end of season strategy so now that you're going to have the 10 best players from the dp world tour you're going to have the 30 best regular season performers on the corn ferry tour and Rex, beginning in 2023 to, to read your tweet exactly the number of pga tour cards via the corn ferry tour are increasing from 25 to 30 that's yes. incorrect that's incorrect it's going down keep reading 50 keep to reading Keep I reading. don't need to keep reading because that's and incorrect. Then I say what? What's wrong? And then I say what? Top five the Corn Ferry Tour school. Finals. The Corn Ferry Tour Finals will no longer be a standalone series. But you're you're missing the math here. You're you're talking way I'm around this and just admitting you're wrong. They used to hand out fifty cards per season. Now they're only handing out thirty. Except so the majority of those, what, except the majority of those, went to PJ Tour members who lost their card because they didn't finish inside the top one twenty five. We're well, getting lost in the weeds here. We're getting lost no, in the weeds that's, here. That's regardless. I mean, because they're, they've now went back to I'm not getting lost in the weeds. The concern is now is that they're, it's already a difficult shop to get to. Now you've made it even more difficult because now you've siphoned off ten of those cards that now go to the European Tour guys each year. Now you've given five to Q School and you've reduced yeah, the Q, number. Q Let's Q be clear about is that. back to being Q School is back to being. One of those uh, lottery ticket type situations, yeah, which is which, which I'm which a fan great. of because it's it's great. good drama. I I, I love that. I always love covering Q School. And then they've reduced the number of cards on the Corn Ferry Tour, which we have said for decades was the best judge of talent. So now you've essentially said that okay, maybe it's not the best judge of talent. We've gone in a different direction. So the concerns are the same, just for vastly different reasons going forward. And I guess there's a ton of questions. Like Keith was very clear yesterday about this. This is not a merger that they're well short of a merger. He said they would consider a full merger at some point, but that's got to be put before the entire student body. All the players have to agree to that on some level. There would have to be some sort of vote. It does seem like that's the direction we're going here, does it not? It does, and he said, at least in the player meeting, he said that this was the path they were on to begin with. It got accelerated because of Live Golf, but this is the path they've been on all along. And I think where we've ended up now is probably five or six years ahead of schedule. And where we end up with what I truly believe is going to be a complete merger somewhere will be another five or six years ahead of schedule. Two things that I found really surprising, Rex, uh, based on that teleconference that they had yesterday. The first is that Jay Monahan said they actually don't have more plans to add co-sanctioned events to the PGA tour schedule. To me, it seemed like an obvious move that you would just basically pilfer the top four or five events, in the DP world tour schedule, whether it was Abu Dhabi at the beginning of the year, uh, the BMW PGA, the Irish open that you're at this week, uh, take the uh, DP world tour championship in Dubai at the end of the season and just incorporate them in kind of a worldwide PGA tour schedule. That is not uh, according to Jay Monahan, part of the plans, at least, uh, for 2022, 2023, maybe that changes over the next handful of years. Uh, but that is not uh, currently what is in the PGA Tour plans. Now, 
The second thing that I found interesting, Rex, and Keith Pelley was asked this, the DP World Tour chief executive, he said he has not had any conversation, despite uh, recent media reports, he has not had any conversation with live officials since July 2021. And however, he said that if live, the officials with live, uh, wanted to kind of coexist, if they didn't want to necessarily create a rival circuit, but kind of work uh, within the current ecosystem, he said that he would be willing to listen to those conversations. Right now, as, as launching a rival tour, he thinks that it's detrimental to the game at large. If they decide to play nice, play inside the sandbox, he would be open to having that conversation. That, to me, seems uh, that this is kind of an open relationship with the PGA Tour uh, and this alliance, and, and that um, potentially some other suitors could come in. But what was your read on that? Well, it, that's what he said in the press conference. In the player meeting, I was told that, and this is a quote, not adverse to working with Golf Saudi in the future. And he also said if, as long as that is within the current framework of what they consider. Yes, which is essentially the Saudi International, right, which was a part of the DP World Tour schedule for years. Exactly. I also found it fascinating. He kind of outlined both in the press conference and the player meeting exactly how the meeting went last summer with essentially what was Live 54. It was called something else at the time. And, and there's com- conflicting reports from what he said is they were giving me, given an unsolicited presentation. And that was back in July of 2021. And that presentation, he said, he took to the board. Now I'm getting conflicting reports from his board that they actually saw the actual hard numbers. And they decided at that point that that deal was not as good as the deal that the Premier Golf League, which was the previous iteration, had offered a year earlier and they had turned down. So therefore they moved forward. I think there is some, still some confusion to your point. I find it fascinating how Keith and Jay are handling this. Jay has drawn a very, very hard line. I mean, even when it comes to the players who have violated the European tours policy about playing in those live golf events, there's four players who played in that first event in London who are in this week's field. A fifth is the first alternate. So in theory, there could be five of them here. Yeah, Jay, Jay has like a Sharpie line and Keith Pelley's is like a, 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 a dotted line with pencil. Yeah, it's, it's like one of those faded pencils that you get in a golf cart that doesn't write down very well. It just <laughs> yeah. kind of scratches more than into the paper, more than does anything. So I, I do find it interesting and that has a lot to do with the rules and regulations of the DP World Tour. They can't, they can't lean in the players as hard apparently as Jay is able to on the PGA Tour because you can envision a scenario where those players continue to bounce back and forth as long as they continue to pay their fines. Now, the fines are hefty. It's 100,000 euros. Which but, is Liv's, good, but Liv's going to pay for them. By all accounts, Liv is, it yeah, lives paying for them. Lives paying for them, yeah. And, and from what I was told today, that those fines are simply going to double. So mm-hmm. let's say whoever from this week's field plays in another one, now it's 200 euro. And it's just going to keep going up. So you're going to end up in an interesting arms risk going forward. But I am fascinated by just the difference in approaches between what Keith has said and what Keith has done versus what Jay has said and Jay has done. And, and given the fact that I've been in country now for the better part of 24 hours, I feel qualified to say this, that I just think there's a difference in how they view this conversation here versus in the United States. In the United States, we have made this a clear moral conversation and we can get into the live golf press conferences yesterday which which were fascinating to me as well over here i think it's more acceptable you have i mean it's part of premier league soccer it's part of formula one it's part part of of formula one like it's it's boxing like it's 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 incorporated into the current sports ecosystem and they don't like they don't have 9-11 to lean into like that's always on, on our side we're always going to lean into 9-11 and we're always going to look at the moral high ground and certainly there's a moral conversation being had over here but they seem more open to being flexible and i think that speaks to what he said and didn't say yesterday that he probably wants this relationship simply because it makes his tour stronger in a time that it needs to look stronger but you're right it's, it's the guy at the bar that wants to keep his options open before all the lights go on <laughs> let's Rich, let's let's I've zoom that out. Before, by the way. Yes, of course you have. Uh, d- double IBA, please. Uh, let's zoom out to thirty thousand feet. Let's let's look at. I mean, this has been a a very newsy seven days in golf. So when you look at it in totality, when you look at the PJ Tour abandoning the wraparound schedule, going to the January to the August, making the PG, the FedEx Cup playoffs from one hundred twenty five guys to seventy guys. When you uh, look at the addition of this international series for the top guys. When you look at now, the 10 DP World Tour players getting PJ Tour membership. When you look at going from, excuse me, 50 Corn Ferry Tour cards to 30 to create more churn at the elite level. 
all told, in totality, do you think that is enough to stem the tide of live poaching some of the PGA Tour's most recognizable names? I don't know that it stems the tide because I feel like we've reached a tipping point. And we keep going back to this conversation. I feel like until I see someone's name get posted that that you or I or people who are inside the game didn't see coming – like, look, Matt, Matt Wolf is, is a hit. You're going to miss him because you love your boy, Matty. But we all kind of heard the rumors, and we all sort of knew this was coming, right? Not Patrick. He's he's actually one of the least surprising uh, yeah. players. I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, until a name crops up, and, and again, I keep throwing the Justin Thomases out there, the Jordan Spieth, or someone along those lines, that, no, I don't think that it, we're at a panic point. What it probably does is all these things together in totality, as you said, and that includes not only the changing of the schedule, but let's talk about the PIP money and everything else, all the money they're pouring in the purses starting next year on the PGA Tour. All of these things probably allow a player who might be looking in that direction to think to themselves, I probably don't have to. Because if you start doing the math that I'm not going to be guaranteed money, which I, I thought was a, a funny conversation yesterday with Keith Pelley and, and Jay Monahan. <laughs> they, just, they just kept going round and round about that. Except except on the DP World Tour, they do allow appearance You've fees. done it for unlike decades. On the, like on the Always done I don't know, I'm not sure why he was so adamant uh, against it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I, he, they've done it for decades, and I don't I understand why. I, I interviewed Troy Merritt this morning because he's over here playing, and it's kind of a cool story. He tries to add a different European tour schedule uh, event to his schedule every year because he just wants to see the world and he thinks it's fun. He's not a European tour member. And so as I'm doing the interview, I realize he has horizon on his shirt and I stopped the interview and I said, how long have you had that on there? And he goes counting this week. And I said, yes. And he said this week, (laughs) sure. Glad we don't pay appearance fees in golf. Like it's a dirty little secret. And and I love that. That's where they decided to draw a line and they wanted to talk circles around each other. But to answer your question, yes. I think it does make a difference. I think if you're a guy who's on the fence and instead of allowing yourself to be thrown into what's going to be just a pressure cooker a few years, I mean, whatever is going to happen with the lawsuits and everything else that's going to happen, those guys are going to be under such a microscope for the next foreseeable future. Is it really worth it? And for some guys, for Pat Perez yesterday, who spoke his mind and was entertaining as always, I will miss Pat, by the way. We, we've had this conversation. I'll miss Pat. I, I mean, I, I miss, I'm going to miss his brutal honesty for sure. I miss, I miss him already. I'm not going to lie. I miss him already. Uh, but for guys like that, yeah, it probably gives them a reason that, you know, do I really want to subject myself to this? Even for millions, guaranteed, do I really want to do this or do I want to stay on the PGA Tour, try to make myself competitive and try to collect these riches instead? You want to stay competitively relevant. That is the question that I think uh, a lot of these PGA Tour players are going to have to answer, whether uh, what they want to be remembered for, what they want to be defined by, what they want to compete week in and week out for. I, I think, Rex, you and I are both on the same page that the, that the clearest solution to the predicament that the PGA Tour, player, uh, PGA Tour finds itself in is that the best players want to play fewer times for more money, right? And yes. yet they still want to play a PJ tour schedule on great golf courses against the best players in the world that they just want to do that. And so I think what these changes have done in totality is kind of create a line between the a tour and the B tour. And by pumping uh, these purses up to $20 million, which I do not think uh, was coincidental since that of course is what uh, the Saudi golf league is seems like a random number, get, doesn't it? Before you get into the team component, of course, there's nothing keeping the Saudis from saying, "Oh, you, all right, you're going to match twenty million dollars. Let's just make this thirty million dollars." Like that's that's not a that's not a race you want to go down. Uh, so I do think that it, it's a step in the right direction of differentiating the superstar tour and the middle class tour. But I'm I, I'm also not sure that it goes quite far enough because there's still going to be a similar number of exempt pros. There's still going to be 44, 45, 46 PJ tour tournaments, in which case you can't tell me that every single week uh, is of the utmost importance. That's one point. The second point, and we've talked about this a couple of times, ever since you were the, fir- the first one to report this back in February, that this international oh. series in the fall, that to me is still a little bit of a head scratcher. I understand what they're doing. Big money team component, uh, limited fields, uh, taking, the, taking the game globally. That is at a time of year, late October, November, when the guys don't want to do that. They, they don't have to. Be. I mean, that's the point here. They don't have to. They don't have to, but don't you kind of have to? Don't you kind of have to support the PGA Tour if they're bending over backwards no. to, to, to make this avenue for you? Don't you have to show up at least one of these tournaments in Europe, Asia, or the Middle East? 
Uh, no, I, I don't. And I will circle back around to, and I just kind of read the transcripts this morning from the Live Golf press conferences. Essentially it got one. very juicy. It got very juicy. Yeah, Brooks Kepka was Brooks Kepka to the max. I mean, he was turned up to ten. I mean, he he was combative. Yeah, oh yeah, he was, uh, he was argumentative. Oh yeah, uh, just not just blowing up. Yeah, no, not chill at all. I made the decision after Brookline, bro. Like that. That's it. I, I, I don't want to be. Don't don't you question me on this. But I made that decision, and I just changed my mind. Uh, real quick, Aaron Granham, G R A N Grant him. Thank you so much. Loving the podcast. Just want to respond to your question about whether the audience would like a daily major championship podcast. Speaking for myself, yes, please. You know what? A, A, Ron, we're coming at you. Count on it. Just for you. Aaron, Aaron, we're doing it for you. Uh, Kaz and the team, they're going to be on it. They're going to be at our beck and call whenever we decide to record our 15 to 20-minute podcast. Uh, we will certainly uh, be able to do that for you. We, we, will, we will, folks, do that for you uh, from St. Andrews every day after the tournament round. We will record a podcast. They'll get it posted shortly, and you guys can consume all that action. Now, Rex, one issue that I do have that I think is worth noting, especially considering what is going on here with Liv, and I'll take this since you're doing the little uh, 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 throat slashing gesture. I go, man. I go. Is Eugenio Shikara, number two ranked amateur in the world, is playing in the Liv event this week. He's turning pro uh, for a multi-year deal that is uh, reportedly – somewhere around the $10 million mark. The PGA Tour needs to do something to streamline the process for the top college players and amateurs to get to the PGA Tour, play, to get to the PGA Tour quicker. Offering Corn Ferry Tour status and hoping that what happens with Pearson Cootie, who won last week at the Corn Ferry Tour, to jump all the way to 31st in the standings, that is not a viable solution. you got to give cards. I don't know whether it's the top three, whether it's the top five, whatever. Got to give those they young took guys cards. cards. They took avenues away from them. We just touched on this at the beginning of the podcast. They, they didn't add ways for them to get on the PGA Tour. They actually took away options because now you've taken 10 of those cards and given it to the European Tour if you want to go that route, I guess, would be the option. And actually, it's a net loss. There's going to be fewer cards given out to the PGA Tour every year. Again, your math is clearly not your strong suit. But if you add it up versus what they give out now versus what they're going to give out in the future, I believe the net loss is five cards. But there's going to be more churn at the elite level, which I think is a good thing. There's a, there's a possibility that number 71 on the FedEx Cup standings does not have his PGA Tour card the following season. Let's transition to the event that is being played, uh, I don't know, about nine time zones away from you, Portland, Oregon, Pumpkin Ridge site of the second live event, first in the United States. Got some guys making their debuts this week, Rex. You got Bryce Nishambo, you got Matthew Wolf, and you have the four-time major winner, Brooks Kepka, who I would say had a very irritable, a very uh, combative, a very confrontational press conference on Tuesday with reporters. What was your takeaway? He was always, he's always been too cool for school. I mean, ever since he made it onto the PGA tour, I always felt like even before he was a four-time major champion, I felt like he carried himself like a 40-time major champion. It seems like he has become a hissing radiator, though. He just sort of walks around just glaring at everyone. I mean, he's, he's in a constant state of anger, at least when it comes to the media. We can never ask the right question. We're always way off base. Like, all of those things fascinate me because we're not the one that puts you in this position. Like, we're not the ones that, that told you you should sign with Live Golf or stay with the PGA Tour. I don't think any of us made any declarative statements. We're just trying to find out what your mindset was. And the idea, I mean, the simplest terms, the idea that you didn't make this decision until after Brookline, you can say whatever you want. That's just patently ridiculous. We all know it. So there's a couple of things here, a couple of things to get into. This was Brooks Kepka, a direct quote on February 23rd, 2002. I don't see it backing down. This is talk about live. They can just double up and they'll figure it out. They'll get their guys. Someone will sell out and go to it. Well, folks, spoiler alert. That someone was Brooks Kepka. We don't have to know now how to frame his decision. He said it himself. He is selling out. That is how we should view it. That's how he views it. Even though if it wasn't asked directly yesterday, that's the number one question. You said that someone is selling out to go to this. No one uh, asked him that. I would love to hear his answer of whether he thinks he is selling. His simple explanation was that, hey, man, opinions change. I'm, I'm, I'm free to change my opinion. And that's, and that's fine. That's fine. The reason why he has uh, alienated some of his former PGA Tour peers is the fact that at a Rolex function 
uh, the week of the U.S. Open. He was telling guys, Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, um, guys of that ilk, hey, Justin Thomas, hey, let's, let's band together. Let's, let's have a united front uh, to show that we're pro PJ Tour in this fight against Liv. Uh, less than a week later, less than a week later, he has bolted uh, for the rival tour with a signing bonus uh, rumored to be uh, in the nine figures. That's fine. Will you miss, will you miss King Kepka? No, no. And we did this. I mean, it's a fun game where we just went down the PGA tour. I, I won't miss him for the storylines. And I know that's where like when Bryson's case, when we had this conversation, it's yes, I'm going to miss him as a newsmaker simply because I mean, if you look at the last two years, he has driven the tour. Why Tiger has been on the shelf recovering from injury. He's the fascination. People come out to see him. I don't think that was the case with Brooks. I mean, certainly when he was, you know, when he's winning majors, it's impressive. And his golf is fun to watch when it's in full steam. He hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been that player in a long time. And yet we still get all the grief of him being too cool for school and being angry and in the hissing radiator. So no, I, I won't miss him. And, and he's a great player. You can't take anything away from him. what he accomplished specifically in the major championships is tiger esque. but there is, there's no redeeming qualities when it comes to him as an entertainer. Uh, there's no doubt that he is a polarizing figure. He's clearly one of the most popular the, by the PJ tours own metric metrics. Uh, he was inside the top 10 uh, of those pip standings last year and got the bonus, which of course, uh, did little to might have been skewed by, by a certain video from the PGA Championship. Might have gotten skewed a little bit. Certainly, I mean, but it's also. But when you look at Brooks Kepka, he often appeared disinterested during regular season golf. He's 32 with an injury history that's longer uh, than anyone this side of Tiger. He had, by his own admission, only a few prime years left, and it appears now that he's going to spend the majority of those. Uh, playing exhibition golf. I will miss Brooks. I will miss the storylines. I will miss the drama. I won't necessarily miss uh, the personality, although he was kind of hot and cold with me uh, over the past couple of years. I had some good interactions with him. And then of course, like anyone, uh, we've had some, some bad ones. I would be Matt. very, I'm going to miss Matt Wolf. I'm going to miss him because he was able to cut the vein open and to show us the inside of an athlete, even the dirty dark inside of an athlete. When you get out on the PGA tour and you realize that it's a cutthroat place and it's not, a, it's not a team atmosphere and everyone is against you. And suddenly you've thrust yourself into this limelight and you're not comfortable with it. I will miss that. Uh, it's certainly a unimaginable three-year run for Matt Wolf. And it, it, it ended the exact same place where it began. I found that to be very ironic. Matt Wolf, 2019, I covered him. Six wins at Oklahoma State, NCAA champion. Wins in his third start, Rex, uh, out on the PGA Tour. Outduel both Bryce DeChambeau and Colin Morikawa. It looked like, you know, the, the guy was a, an absolute rising superstar. Finished in the top four in his first two major championships in 2020. And he's really fallen off the face of the earth, uh, spiraling down the world rankings, almost outside the top 80 at this point. Two members uh, of his team uh, told me it would not surprise them at all, even though he's, a, he's just 23 years old, if he fulfills the obligations of this contract, which are believed to be two years, and then quits golf, does not play golf anymore. They said he is burned out, uh, does not love the game anymore. He is essentially cashing out, selling out. It would not surprise me at all, Rex, uh, if he does this two- or three-year deal and he's, he's done with golf. And it's understandable. Which is, which is, which is kind of sad. And look, coming off last summer where the mental health of athletes became center stage, we spent a lot of time last summer talking about the mental health of various athletes and certainly Matt Wolf at the U.S. Open. You wrote a really good story. Put that in perspective as far as the golf goes. I get that because I can, I can rewind to just a few years ago and look at Anthony Kim and put him in the exact same context and think to myself that if Anthony Kim was in, in this position now, he would have jumped at the money. He would have signed the two or three year deal. He would have taken would have the money. The first and to go. Been, he would have, would have been the first to go. And he would have been the first to go. He would have, he would have walked away and he'd have gone to Dallas and he'd have been like Goss Bigfoot all over again. You know, where you, you see him in a nightclub, you see him on a range hitting balls, whatever the case may be. But I, I can see it from a bunch of different players where, and this kind of revisits what we were saying before, where I get hung up and they, Everybody on those stages yesterday at the Live Golf press conferences seemed to lean into the idea that I'm doing this because I want to play less. Which, Guys, we, stop insulting our intelligence. Stop. That's not how it works. That's, that's not how it works. I mean, if, if, if they get to the 14 events and suddenly somehow you're able to play in the four majors and, and all of these, other, and, and you also have players saying that I still want to play in PGA Tour events, it's ridiculous. And to be clear, the tour minimum is 15 starts. 
But you don't have to. You don't have to play fifteen. You don't have to play fifteen. All you the only do thing is the tour minimum gets you is voting, voting rights. Your voting yeah. rights, which these guys probably don't so vote. If you don't anyway. want to vote for, if you don't want to vote for player of the year or rookie of the year, you probably don't anyway. So it doesn't matter because all, all you're going to do is hand it to your man, manager and he's going to click off whatever box he he feels appropriate. That's the only reason you ever needed to play fifteen events. So if you only want to go out and play eight, and you're good enough to pull that off and keep your tour card. Good on you, man. Like, go out and have fun. I can imagine a, a scenario where Tiger Woods is like, no, I, I like eight events. Four majors, four of the others. I, I get to pick them. I like that. The idea that somehow the PGA Tour was force-feeding these players to play 20. And Patrick Reed was the one that got me yesterday. Because he plays like 35 I, times a year. And, and we would ask him repeatedly, you and I both, how many times? Why are you doing this? Well, if I was home, I'd be playing golf anywhere. I don't know how many times. Love golf, me. love to travel, love to see new parts of the world. Love to I, I should be out here making money while I do it. Absolutely. Like I, I, I would be at the golf course anyway. I'd be practicing. I'd be playing golf anyway. It's, it's another one of these bullet items that Live Golf is trying to force feed down these people's throats. It, like it's not as egregious as the grow the game stuff, but like it does not make sense whatsoever, which is, it's, 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 it's mind boggling to me. Now I, I do think uh, there are some contract minimums that a lot of these guys have with some of their equipment sponsors. And that's a big deal, right? Like if the equipment sponsor says you need to play uh, 15 to 20 times, then that's one thing. However, Brooks Kepka just at the U S open said that one of his favorite parts of playing on the PGA tour was the fact that he can pick his choose his own schedule. No one's keeping him. He's only played the major championships uh, since the WGC match play in March. No one's uh, holding him to the fire saying you need to compete week in and week out is insulting uh, to hear these guys uh, continue to talk about how they want to play less. And the fact of the matter is once this thing goes to a 14 tournament schedule, which is uh, supposed to be with the league starting in 2024, there's a good chance that that moves up in 2023. uh, If the rate of the players that they continue to accrue uh, continues to speed up in this fashion, there's a chance that that 14 tournament schedule all of a sudden it's pushed up to 2023. Then you have the 14 event live schedule. Then you have potentially the four major championships. If they can even get in, get in there. You also have the prospect of having to play Asian tour events in order to keep your world ranking in a position that would uh, allow you to gain entry to these major championships. As of now, even though live officials have applied for uh, membership with the official world golf ranking, that seems like a steep hill to climb considering who was on the board, including folks like Keith Pelly and Jay Monahan, who, as we discussed at the top of this podcast, are as united as ever when it comes uh, to their strategic alliance. You would think uh, that the vote would be to, to deny uh, live world ranking points at this juncture. That could change in the future, but as of now, they would be denied points. And so at that point, assuming these guys still want to play in the major championships, they may have to drop down and play an Asian tour event somewhere in order to gain enough points to keep their world ranking inside a position, either inside the top 50 or inside the top 60 uh, that would keep them eligible to play in the major championships. And Rex, just to one more thing, just to button up this, conversation on rant on, on Brooks, which, is, which is turned which is turned into basically just a one-sided rant i wouldn't totally discount the possibility that this is all an act from brooks kepka brooks's now wife jenna uh posted on social media a couple days ago about how they're now entering the quote villain era even though she spelled it incorrectly uh, the suggestion being that brooks is setting himself up as the black hat in a fight against uh, the vicious golf media. Unfortunately for Brooks, uh, he's probably going to find out that the mainstream media doesn't really care anymore about his weekly performances. And since he's been dreadful in the majors this year, uh, he is at risk of becoming competitively irrelevant, which for a player uh, with the ego the size of Brooks uh, is certainly going to nod. And this isn't the first time that Brooks has played a character, probably not even the second or third time e- either. It was uh, never among the most popular players uh, with his peers in the PGA Tour. He infamously said he doesn't have any tour friends. Uh, I'm curious to see if he'll play nice with his new teammates on Live, as the pictures from the Live party on Tuesday night suggested. Uh, probably not. Uh, Rex, the Irish Open, where you are, 
begins on Thursday. Your wife is getting into town on Thursday. What are you guys getting into? I think she's actually going to stay in Dublin for a day, so I don't think she's going to make it out here. So we're in Kilkenny, which is uh, Kilkenny. I think I said that right, Kilkenny, uh, which is about two hours south of Dublin. So she's going to stay in Dublin for a day. She'll come out here on Friday. It's lovely. course is nice. They put us in a very nice apartment. I will say this, that if you're looking to eat dinner anywhere after 7 o'clock, ain't happening because really? we had uh, yeah fish and chips was what we settled for to go we ate them on the curb like hobos because that's that's what you have to do if you're eating past seven o'clock here in, in Kilkenny. oh my i didn't know those like the suburbs uh i mean that, that's not fair it was a place called thomastown where we ate last night Kilkenny might be different it, I, i've heard it's a bit of a more of a touristy town but yes the town that Thomas Town that we wandered into last night. There was only one pub open and only a fish and chip shop, and there was no food at the pub, which I would have been fine with. But I got people I travel with. You're gonna you're gonna be gaining 15 pounds uh, if all you're doing is eating fish and chips and drinking Guinness over the next uh, yes. three weeks. Give 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 the people a reason to watch besides seeing you on the broadcast doing interviews. I think the golf course is cool. It's a it's a really it's it's a parkland course, so it's not kind of what we're used to. We, we kind of like it. We always gravitate to the links courses when it's played at Lahinch. That's certainly a lot of fun. But it's an interesting parkland course, and it has a, a fun feel. You have Shane Lowry here. I just got through interviewing Padraig Harrington, who, by the way, and we we keep coming back to this players we, we would Padraig miss. Harrington fresh off his U.S. Senior Open victory. Yes, we we just we always talk about players we would miss, and, and I know Harrington's not going anywhere at this stage in his career. However, if he did leave, I would miss him. He is a treasure at least for the golf medium, like he, his answers. Oh yeah. Always so insightful. I will say this: he just told sky sports, which I thought was interesting. Somehow he got on like a five minute answer about club head speed and ball speed. And the, the end result of that five minute answer that came out of the back end of this mismatch of thoughts and, and all of these takes that he has is I will tell you that in my lifetime, this is a quote. I will tell you that in my lifetime, a woman will win on the men's tour. Now he did not clarify and say Europe or PGA, but I thought it was fascinating. And that's where he ended up. Like this is where we're starting, but head speed and where I'm going to end up five minutes from now, I'm going to land at. And let me tell you one more thing. A woman's going to win on tour. You're right. He is an absolute treasure. And it's, it is, it is unfortunate. It's, it's unfortunate for us. It's not unfortunate for Project Carrington. He clearly still uh, plays a very, a very high level uh, competitive golf. You'll, you'll recall he finished in the top 10 last year at the PGA Championship, which was won, of course, by uh, 50 year old Phil Mickelson. He just won the U.S. Senior Open. We're, de- we're being deprived, Rex, of having Padraig Harrington in a broadcast booth, which I think would be terrific. But it's also, it's also kind of like like Brandle. Like Brandle is 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 incredible with like two and a half minute discussions. And Padraig Harrington is in the exact same way. If you put these guys on a telecast, I feel like it actually does not cater to their gifts. Like their their gifts, they have to speak in ten to twelve second little sound bites, and that's clearly not uh, the lane that Brandle and Padraig Harrington have chosen. I'd love to see them on the set with, I mean, Paul McGinley has been terrific on live from as well, but put Padraig Harrington and Brando Shembley. Now that uh, is some very good TV. You're shaking yes, your head. Harrington now. does not work in small windows. It's brilliant. I mean, whatever comes out of, you know, wherever we end up, where whatever the end product is, it's brilliant, but it's not small window stuff. Yeah. Put him put him in a format where he can uh, really shine over on the PGA tour. We didn't, even, I, I, I said, we're going to talk about the travelers championship. We're not going to talk about the travelers championship, but Sahit Thagala, uh, your favorite, my favorite, uh, is in the field this week at TPC or D run after his uh, demoralizing finish to the Travelers Championship, the double bogey on the 72nd hole to hand the victory uh, to Xander Shoffley. He'll try and bounce back this week. You also have folks like Webb Simpson, Adam Hadwin coming off his best uh, major finish at the U.S. Open. My dudes, Denny McCarthy, Maverick You're- McNeely going for their first PJ Tour victory. Let's be honest, it is not the strongest field this week at the John Deere before we get to the Scottish Open next week, where 14 of the top 15 players in the world will be competing at Renaissance. I'm hoping to be there on the weekend. Kind of got to figure out a uh, rental car slash uh, accommodation I'll be there. situations. In the meantime, Rex, uh, I'll be icing. I'll be taking it easy. I'll be hoping like I don't continue to feel like I have a bowling ball down under, and it's going to be uh, a very fun 4th of July. You'll be celebrating it. Uh, probably en route to Scotland uh, at that point with the uh, Independence Day on Monday. I'll be uh, at the lake with with Big Ben. 
Uh, nope, Monday and Tuesday, which we should probably plan on doing the prop podcast Tuesday because that'll be the final round of the J.P. McManus Pro-Am, which Tiger Woods is playing in. So why don't we plan on touching base then? Tuesday? Sure. Yes, sure. Let's, yeah. do, it, let's do it Tuesday afternoon. I think you're six hours ahead. Uh, Tiger, is Tiger Bye. still committed to that thing? Uh, yep, Tiger is still committed, last I heard. So we're You're six ahead. hours ahead. I believe it's 346 there. Um, or is it 446? No, it's 346. You're correct. Six hours? I always thought it was five. No, it is five. It is five hours. Five. Yeah, you're not good at math. We, you really, no. we've established this on this podcast. Boy, you're just terrible. not good at math. Absolutely terrible. Hate wow. to see it. It's always been five hours. I'm trying to figure out how you were trying to talk me into six. Like That didn't, that didn't make any sense. Uh, okay, what's on the grill? I'll, I'll give it to you since this is where you want to go anywhere. Uh, you know what? I was thinking after this procedure, I was like, how did I not absolutely load up with brisket, ribs, chicken, something that I could just put on the on the yoder and just let the smoke roll for five to 10 hours, regardless uh, determining on, on what I was cooking. That was a fatal mistake. I've done nothing except sit on the couch uh, with icing. And so over the weekend, we're probably just going to do like a basic barbecue. We're going to do some flat iron steaks. We're going to do, I think some chicken thighs, burgers, hot dogs, typical uh, July 4th fair. I did just send uh, my mother-in-law the wish list. I told her we need some tongs so I don't sear uh, or excuse me, singe the hair off of my forearms like I usually do. Send her some uh, lump charcoal that she needs to pick up. It's going to be a whole thing. All right. Well, I'll be having fish and chips. So, I'll... yeah, for me, <laughs> fish and chips, and then fish and chips, and then I'll be having fish and chips. And more fish and chips. I will say this though. My wife got me. Uh, I think we talked about this. The Bobby Flay. Uh, I believe yes. it. Yes. Yes. Uh, I have a cookbook. Great. It's great read. So good. I've started to plow my way through it. Chicken thighs is I didn't realize this. Like that's what you have to go with on a grill. Cause they don't dry out like, like chicken breasts. Oh, oh, chicken breasts are dreadful. You have to like absolutely nail the internal temperature at 160, and they're still flavorless. I mean, you can, you can marinate them. You can sauce them. You can inject them. You can do a whole lot of things, but oh, they I did are like not a, as did delicious like orange, as chicken breasts. Yeah. I did like an orange glaze on these from, from the cookbook. It was delicious. Like it oh. was so good. Oh, Boneless, yeah. skinless, the absolute only way to eat chicken folks. If you have not gone that direction, Highly suggest it. You can sear them over high heat, slide them over indirect. You can baste them, you can sauce them, you can marinate them. You can do a whole lot of stuff with boneless, skinless chicken thighs. That's a great tip, Rex. Thanks for uh, bringing that to the people. You've been wa- you've been reading the Bobby Flay cookbook. I've been watching Bobby Flay on Barbecue Brawl since I've done nothing except sit on the couch, plowed my way through the entire third season. All that I have left to finish, and, and I will be in about 10 minutes, uh, is watching the season finale, which uh, debuted just a couple of days ago. So uh, that is how I'm going to spend the rest of my Wednesday. Rex, you enjoy uh, all of your hits on Golf Today, Golf Central. I'll be sure to check that out. Good luck on the broadcast this week at the Irish Open. We'll have a full recap of how Tiger looked at the J.P. McManus Pro, assuming that he actually does tee up there next week, along with a star-studded field in Ireland. We'll preview the Scottish Open, where 14 of the top 15 in the world are teeing it up in that co-sanctioned event on the PGA and DP World Tours. And we'll look ahead to our adventure in Scotland. That's all for this edition of the Golf Central Podcast, presented by Callaway Golf. Sorry for all the interruptions and for the wrestling mask. It sounded like it was next to Rex's microphone. Talk to you next time.